assignment. I'm telling you, you need to evolve into other liquors because it will help your brain. <laughs> it will help your it will help your memory. Um, you can find. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast is my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career as a marketing leader and trusted advisor and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge my guests and I have picked up along the way. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode is recorded on Friday the 29th of October. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying the same as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff Clark fans, he's back. I have a fascinating conversation with Anne-Marie Twigg, MD of The Next Women, about supporting female entrepreneurs as well as various other topics. And I wind down for the weekend with my friend Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. My chum, Jeff Clark, is a former research director at Serious Decisions Forrester and a rockstar CMO advisor. And he joins me this week to talk about change. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. And uh, we're, as I think, our topic of Today is change, and as I think we set up in the last call, is that uh, we have the, the colors changing here in New England. I mm. think we're either at or a little bit past the peak of colors ah, here in Amherst, Massachusetts. Beautiful, beautiful. And did you enjoy your week off? Yes, I did. I can't even remember what I did, but I, uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need didn't, didn't to talk about Truscott, dude. <laughs> 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 nice. Nice. All right. So as you mentioned, uh, this week, we're going to talk about change management as the tail end of our uh, long conversations we've been having about implementing technology and choosing technology and all that kind of good stuff. But obviously, if you're going to do anything like this, uh, some change will be required. So Change is is in the air. And yeah, <laughs> and, you know, it's just so as I was kind of thinking back the last the three previous episodes yeah. I was on. We talked about assessing your technology. We talked about mm-hmm. building a business case when you mm-hmm. define what what you what you need mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, setting the right requirements. And so as you're going, I mean, actually, you know, for, for when you start building the business case, you should be thinking about some of these change management issues that mm-hmm. we go over, because obviously the reason anytime you introduce new technology at marketing or anywhere, you're introducing change. And that's yes. hopefully that's a good thing. You know, yeah. and you're, you're changing a process, you're adding or modifying data, you're making life easier for some people, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You just want to make sure you're not making life hard for somebody else. And, uh, yeah. and if you are going to do that, <laughs> you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you get ahead of that? And, uh, and make sure you're making, uh, you know, a change yeah. that's going to make life easier for all. Right. Uh, and, and I think, you know, this is really something 
I mean, when we talk about this, I don't want people to think that's like, oh my gosh, I've got a, it, this is like a whole separate, you know, project or whatever. I mean, this really should just be part of whatever yeah. your implementation plan is. It's not a, it's not a separate item. Yeah. It's just, it's just things to tack on to what you know you need to do. Yeah. And you um, stole my thunder there because I didn't get the opportunity to say, what say you, Jeff? So. Oh, that's what I. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, if you did right. say that, then that's what I would. That's exactly <laughs> that's what, what I would say. say. Well, um, but the the thing is about all these discussions we've been t- talking about. We've been talking about the fact that um, you know it sounds like big enterprisey type stuff, but actually anything you do like this, right, is going to require change, whatever size yeah. organization you are, right? Yeah, and 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 you know you should scale your. You know what? What you what you think this is going to be? It scales up yeah. and down with with a, whatever the project is. I mean, if you're on yeah. a, you know, you're implementing a, a partner relationship management system, it's like, oh my gosh, that's going to impact so many different mm. departments and people, and that's and yeah. that's a big project. And but if I'm implementing, you know, some uh, new features on the website and technology mm. to help us there, then it's then all of a sudden my scope of of uh, yeah. The project, the whole project, and the change management aspect is a lot is a lot tighter. So yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. So, and before we started and I press record, uh, and I hope I'm not stealing your thunder this time, is we were discussing that you have a six point model for managing change when it comes to technology. Six critical elements to manage. Six change. critical elements. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. You know, we should write some of these things up because something like that is pure link bait, isn't it? Six it's... critical elements <laughs> to stop you from dying of technology. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm absolutely. I'm. I'm done with that. Yeah. It is clickbait, and I'm all about clickbait. <laughs> so, what are your six critical elements, then, Jeff? So, um, yeah, you know, and and I think. You know, we'll we'll just kind of step through these as opposed to. I mean, when you when you get six, it's like I could I could I could tell you the six and then go through mm-hmm. them, but it's like podcast to be over by the time I got to number six. So, uh, we'll just <laughs> just step with number one. Step through them one by one. So, the first yeah. thing is that is you want to take a structured approach to it, and mm-hmm. and really you should think about whatever your implementation plan is is kind of the structure of your of your change management plan. So it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you definitely don't want to take an ad hoc approach and say, oh, my gosh, you know, we need to, you know, now we need to start training people or, you know, now we need mm-hmm. to get people involved in testing. I mean, it, it's yeah. it, those are elements of your change plan, but they are just elements of the implementation. And so think about them uh, yeah. in that kind of set of milestones and what are things appropriate in terms of communications, et cetera, through those those milestones yeah. of the implementation. Um and and so the, the second element is is uh, again when when you're doing your business case you really should be thinking about this in terms of the change management is you need leadership and management support yeah. so obviously you needed leadership support to say yes let's go invest the time and money mm-hmm. into this thing um, yeah. and in the business case you you would have come up with a rationale as to why we're doing this yeah so now you need to arm the leadership with okay you this is why we wanted to do this you said it was a good idea i need you to help me in communicating Mm -hmm. the why because communicating the why uh, the change is a good thing because the leadership support is just entirely 
uh, necessary for getting, you know, your, your colleagues, the middle mm. managers, the people who are going to use it, everyone understanding that this just isn't something that you thought up. And, yeah. uh, you know, you happen to, to get the, the steering committee to give it the thumbs up. This is something that, you know, everyone, including your leadership, thinks that it's, a, it's an important thing to, um, right. to implement. Right. To give yourself that sort of passport to make the change, to make sure that, you know, everybody's on board and that you can get that done. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so no- number three is is making sure you've got the resources. So as you're, as mm-hmm. you're thinking about the implementation and you're thinking about the fact that, you know, there's there's these elements of communication that, that are going to have to happen mm-hmm. through this and is, is like, well, you know, can I do this myself? And obviously this is going to, you know, like we talked about the scope of, of change management is dependent on the, the scope of the of the project itself. And so the same thing is going to happen with the resources you need. You say, you know, can I do this by mm. myself? Um, do I need, are there other people on the, on the marketing team or IT team that, that, mm-hmm. that, that can help me with, with uh, uh, the change management? Mm-hmm. And, uh, or, you know, do we need to go outside contract staff, consultants, you know, where do we make, need additional funding? I mean, this is yeah. really comes into play when you think about things like training. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, even even when you think about just your your ongoing communications, is that something you do? Is that something other people need to do? Yeah, um, yeah. So I spend a lot, yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of my time talking about content management and that's certainly uh, sometimes the misunderstood, you know, missing pieces around, you want to create a new website, you then go do that, you know, the resources that needs to create the new website, but have you thought about the ongoing support, who in IT needs to be responsible for what, who in your team needs to be responsible for what, who's going to look after the, um, you know, just the ongoing maintenance of it. And, um, and so you've got somebody, you've got all the designers in the agency all hot and heavy and everybody and all the developers ready to go. And then, from from day one you need to figure out how that so that's that's a good point you need to have those resources sketched out and i guess that also helps in a business case and you need to have that scoped out as well well well, all these elements are things that you should have been thinking about in the business case and 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 actually this is where you know when we were talking before about you know if i'm if i'm the person in marketing ops that's helping somebody build a business case and you'd say well did you think about this yeah yeah. (laughs) did you think about that and then all of a sudden the people like oh god this is this is yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is blowing my mind. It's just a, such a big investment in in yeah. you know, just playing all these things out. But that's how you make sure you're, you're going to be successful mm. Mm, mm, for sure. And so, what's number four? Number four is ongoing communication. Ah, so so yes. again, when you're when you're thinking about this implementation plan, and you'd say, mm-hmm. you know, during during this process, uh, what do we need to communicate? Um, who should be communicating it? You know, like I said before, yeah. there are certain things that leadership will want to will want to be the mm-hmm. voice of. When do you want to communicate it? You know, what gets yeah. communicated early? Like, you know, this this project passed. You know, we plan on mm. implementing it in June, and it's yeah. to do X. Yeah. Okay, so then once you really start in the implementation process, then you know, who else do you need to communicate to, and what are those? And yeah. and this is where you know, thinking about those dedicated resources, a lot of times it's not just 
you know, you don't want to be the only one. If you're the leader of the project, you don't want to be the only one talking about this. So you want to make yeah. sure how do I get, how do I get other people in mm-hmm. addition to the leadership? You know, this is where I might get, you know, if, if it, if IT is involved, this is where I need to get IT involved in helping communicate. Mm-hmm. Or if, if there are certain people that I need to get involved in training mm-hmm. or testing or whatever, then make sure their management are helpful, helping right. communicating. So right. it's, um, so everybody understands the impact of, of what's, yeah. what's being done. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, to, a, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, it's, it's often said that you can't over communicate. And of course mm-hmm. the flip side of that is that, you know, we get bombarded <laughs> with email messages mm-hmm. and, and pings yeah. and things yeah. on our various tools that uh, sometimes things can get lost in the noise, but it is, yeah. it, it's just helpful to have this, uh, this cadence again, back to the kind of structured yeah. approach, you're going to have a cadence of how you're communicating things out. So yeah. that when uh, somebody says it's time to go to training, mm-hmm. it's not like, well, for what, why, yeah. do, why do I need to be involved in this? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. But I think that's interesting because you're right. I mean, sometimes it is hard to communicate with people because, you know, we're overwhelmed by email and and every, and who's interested in the latest thing from marketing because marketing always marketing themselves anyway. And what the hell is this? But I think, but what I found is really if 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 the communication is relevant to that person and the project is relevant to that person, they'll engage. They'll lean in. You know, especially if it's a high profile project like a like a um, you know CRM or a, a web app or 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 a you know WC uh, web. Content, content management, management solution, system. yeah, <laughs> or a new website, something like that that people, you know, you can just throw the just throw the acronyms out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just a PLM and a WCM and an NPR. Yeah, well, I've, you know, I've been in Martech long enough. We just start inventing them, so it's going to be fine. I mean, I'm sure that um, your old chums at Forrester have probably got an acronym maker that I could just I could just say any just any like, set of letters and probably means something <laughs> and out comes the acronym yeah out comes the acronym so so that's the that's the um communications and I've, I had a sneak peek of your six and I think that leads nicely yeah. up to number five yes which is employee engagement mm-hmm. um and you know you've got to get other people to participate in the transition and, you know, kind of bring them along to the stage of active mm-hmm. involvement and optimism and boy this is going to be great so, you know, certainly you would get people involved in testing. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're developing a proof of concept, uh, you know, like if you're I- implementing something across a website and you got to get the web team involved in creating a proof yeah. of concept so we can test it out, see if it works. You know, and then ultimately training and you're, you know, uh, to me, nothing is is really live. You know, you can say that it went live mm-hmm. at a certain point, but it's not really live until the people who are going to be using it are all trained and proficient mm-hmm. in using the technology. Because mm-hmm. that's when you're that's when you start realizing, um, you know, benefits. And um, yeah. Well, also, I mean, that's that can also that's part of the benefit often of these solutions, right? I mean, when was it a few few weeks ago we were talking about the fact that any um, marketing marketing solution needs to be easy to use? Why does it need to be easy to use? Because you want to roll it out to the broader members of the team, not just the three people who always update the website or always work work the marketing automation solution or whatever it is. So you can actually genuinely engage the rest of the team and democratize some of these activities, right? Yeah. And that's how it gets embedded in the organization, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, I certainly, you know, personally experienced or, you know, worked with clients who've experienced the situation where, you know, they, they bought, they bought the right technology. Mm-hmm. They went to implement it. Um, they thought they were done. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, a year later, it's like, well, nobody's using it or we've got two email yeah. tools and it's like, yeah. so everyone's still on the old one. And, we want to yeah, yeah. and, and it's just like, well, that means that you <clears throat> didn't do, I mean, if you think through all the various steps we yeah. talked about, but particularly when mm-hmm. it comes to employee enablement engagement, you just didn't finish the play. Yeah. And, and, and that's going to be critical for saying you did a good job. You yeah, know, and and yeah. and it and it worked as 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 planned. Yeah, yeah, and so many of these things. When you're talking about them, I always think about the fact that you know that the, these kind of projects are almost like icebergs. In that we think about the top level and we think about the visible part of what the change is going to be, but the amount of investment that you need to put in to actually do all the things we've talked about, scoping, getting your requirements, and all that kind of stuff, but also on the backside to be able to do this enablement, to do these comms, to make sure you've got the resources in place. That that That's quite a level of commitment, isn't it? That you you can't just, you know, wave a magic wand, the implementation's done and everybody's, we're there. You want to make sure your project is not the Titanic of Martech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going down in the cold, icy water, leaving the users to find the life raft. Well, I think that's interesting because, if that's actually quite an interesting topic because um you know define success a lot of the times because we do try so many things don't we and then we do get so frustrated you know many marketers i talk to talk about marketing automation and integration and all that kind of stuff about how it's not functioning properly in their organization so how many of these Titanics have successfully missed the icebergs and made it, <laughs> made it across the Atlantic. I'd be interested to know. <laughs> yes, we rolled into New York Harbor and saw the Statue of Liberty and we, <laughs> we survived. Um, which, which actually I think, brings yeah, us to number six. Exactly. Measuring the impact of change. Mm. So, you know, again, you think back to the business case you set up, you'd said, okay, we're doing this so we can improve productivity, get to new customers, improve engagement with those customers, whatever, whatever that is, you know, you want to be able to go back to that business case. And, you know, once implementation training, all those things are complete and you've had a, a, a reasonable amount of time to, to assess the, the effect, you want to be able to say, we did this uh, and, it, and it worked out. And the, the main reason for that is you want to be able to go back to the well again. <laughs> so if you're, yeah. you know, so, you know, if you want to be able to do this, at least at the company you're at <laughs> currently, yeah. you want to be able, yeah. you know, you want yeah. to be able to say, you know, we put this in place and this is what, this is what yeah. uh, we were able to I achieve think... the, the business objectives. Not, you know, yeah, whatever. but I, I, I think it's bigger than that. Not just as the organization you're in. I think nowadays as marketers, we're judged when we move jobs or, or when, you know, when, when we, uh, you know, in, in, in our success in our, in our, in our careers, in, in what we've achieved in a, a, a data led perspective, right? So yeah. if you've been very successful in implementing a CDP or CRM, let me toss out some more acronyms for you. Um, then you. That, <laughs> that could be a badge of honor that you can then take on in your career because you measured it and because you, you saw that the, 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 the change, I mean, there's nothing worse is there than, having that conversation, which is, I implemented CDP. Well, so what? What did it do? How did it change yeah. the business? And you're unable to really respond. Yeah, yeah. which I'll, I'll, I'll throw out a couple more. I'll throw out another acronym uh, for another <laughs> aspect of measuring change, and that's CSAT. So what was yeah. the what was the satisfaction of your internal customers? You know, is that, yeah. it, you know, what 
what kind of feedback you get. Can you measure adoption? And can you, and it it doesn't, I know it sounds kind of simplistic, but do an internal survey to say, to get feedback from the various people to say, yes, this is working for me, you know, and or gather whatever uh, Mm. input you need to say, oh, we need to fix this. Or we, you know, we didn't, we didn't finish on something that, that is going to help improve the adoption. Um, and then the last aspect of measuring change is, did you meet the, the commitments, the you know, right. milestones, time, budget? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's kind of these three aspects of, of measurement. Did we achieve the business objectives? Did we meet yeah. our project commitments? And did we get the adoption, yeah. which you really need the adoption to, <laughs> to actually yeah, yeah. meet the business yeah. objectives? So yeah. they're, the three kind of go hand in hand. But um, yeah. Yeah, and they're, but and they're I, really they're really the. I mean, those three elements are elements of managing uh, or measuring mm-hmm. any kind of change, whether it has yeah. to do with technology or exactly hiring resources or yeah. uh, you know changing big processes. Yeah, I think all of your super six, critical six, the six are <laughs> you could apply to any any big change that you're doing in marketing, doesn't it? It's it's, it's excellent yeah. structured approach, leadership support. Making sure you got the resources, making sure you're communicating through the whole thing, you're enabling the employees for the change, and then you're measuring the impact. You could apply that to anything. That's fantastic. You could apply it to anything. Mm. Absolutely. What I also, well, I mean, because I've spent much of my career on the vendor side selling these solutions into organizations, I think that some of the stuff that we've shared over the last few weeks without tooting your horn too much is I think it'd be really interesting for vendors to be more aware of this, what goes on outside of the selection process, because I think that would be great for their marketing and then for their content marketing if they provide useful content for people who are going through a procurement process. It may be their first procurement process, but for you as a vendor, it's... It's your first one this week. And, right? and for their sales and support teams, yeah. because, I mean, if you think about, I mean, I know I was particularly familiar with the marketing resource management vendors and, you know, yeah. all, any aspect of MRM, another three letter yeah. acronym, <laughs> yeah. is, is a, requires a, a, you know, a process change or mm-hmm. so, something that's fairly substantial for an organization. Yeah. So they have to be good at implementation, making sure that they've got training yeah. resources, making sure that they've yeah. got ways of ensuring adoption because yeah. you know they're not going to have good customers if uh you know if that's the yeah. case nobody wants to buy a big a big tool that is end up going to be in a titanic yeah. and telling their <laughs> their uh, colleagues about it you know <laughs> don't buy xyz yeah it's an yeah. iceberg because <laughs> it's an iceberg it will ruin your perfectly good Titanic. All right, mate. Well, that's fantastic. Well, way to end uh, on the conversation of the Titanic. Now, two um, other pieces of business we need to attend to. Um, will you be back next week? You're taking another week off, right? I think. I think in a, in a couple of weeks I'll be ready uh, to talk about maybe s- some aspects of change management that go that are beyond. Let's let's you know get out of the technology realm and just talk about it in general. Change. Yeah. All right, mate. So, and also, we're changing the clocks this weekend. Are you changing the clocks this weekend? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, there's all you these guys change. Usually, aren't you guys usually ahead of us, though? Isn't we know like we a... are, but I think this weekend we're doing it at the same time for a change. We're synced up. All right. I think so. All right. Well, I'll probably find out that I'm completely wrong. No, no, we are. We are changing this weekend. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, uh, which will give me and... an extra hour to edit this podcast on Saturday morning. Awesome. <laughs> Sunday morning. Or good. Good for you. And and uh, and and we need Second to. And because business is is the music. 
is the music. So you can't um, forget the music. Yeah, I, 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 as I said on last week's show, I had, I, I was operating the um, the the penthouse Spotify account, but you've got back control of it. What are you choosing? <laughs> what are you choosing for us this week, mate? <laughs> a change will do you good, which is a song by Cheryl Crow in 2011. So it's uh, wow. you know a, a recent recent hit, mm-hmm. and I know this is the first time I think I've suggested a. A, uh, an artist, as they call themselves, that uh, I've suggested before. So this is the second one Splendid. from Cheryl Crow. But it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's great too, nice and upbeat. And it's a positive thing about change. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many other songs about changes that are like people yeah. down in the dumps or, you know, whatever. So uh, so it's, a, it's positive. It, and we, and we want to be making that positive impact. So we do. Change will do you it. good. Excellent. Yeah. So Cheryl Crow, Change Will Do You Good. We'll play on that from 2011. Thank you very much, Jeff. So I'll chat to you again in a couple of weeks. I look awesome. To See you then. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And a bit of Cheryl Crow there. Some positivity with a change would do you good. However, that was actually from 1996 rather than 2011, as we said there. And aside from our poor music fact-checking, if you have any comments on what we've discussed or have suggestions for topics we should cover, we'd love to hear from you. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. On to our guest. Anne-Marie Twig is the MD of The Next Women who support female entrepreneurs. Anne-Marie has had a fascinating career. She has a BA in business administration and an MA in artistic research, has been an artist in residence, a creative director, serves on the UN Women Advisory Board and founded TJIGX, which I discovered is pronounced Chicks, a web channel focused on promoting diversity. I met Anne-Marie as she handed me a much-needed beer at an event we'd both been speaking at, and in that moment, she was my favourite person. We had a really interesting chat, which I thought you guys might enjoy. I'm delighted she agreed to join us here, despite, as you'll hear, a sore throat. So bear with her, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Anne-Marie. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Apart from my voice, as you can hear, yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, I've been talking a lot, so I'm happy to be on a podcast. You know, why yeah. not? <laughs> I was going to make, I was going to make that apology. Yeah, thank you very much for 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 doing this, even though your voice is struggling a little bit. I'm very well, thank you very much. And you're joining us from Amsterdam, correct? I am. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. And for people that haven't uh, come across you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> in three words. I think th- that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use three words. I'm going to use wow. uh, uh, commerce, aesthetics, yeah. and psychology. And wow. I think the running through of my background go- basically goes through these three. So I have a background in uh, business administration, but I also have an MA in artistic mm-hmm. research mm-hmm. Um, and actually also 
uh, aside from doing a lot of branding and marketing, actually built artistic installations. Um, I've lived uh, in Asia for six years, three years in Shanghai, three years in Bombay. Um, I was um, born in the UK, but raised predominantly in the Netherlands. So if there's some British people, which I'm sure there are listening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't pinpoint where I'm from. That's because um, I'm one of those traveling folks uh, who, yeah. uh, with, with a, a father in the hotel business kind of uh, moved around the UK as much as I moved around to the Netherlands. Nice. So, um, that and uh, yeah, I think for me, uh, my main value is creativity. Um, uh, also, as part of my sort of life purpose, yeah. um, I would say, you know, creativity is the ability to make combinations. And this is also where diversity and inclusion comes in, because if you mm-hmm. are unaccepting or at least sort of closing yourself down or off for anything other, maybe humans or science or sound mm-hmm. or experience, um, you know, you're literally cutting off your own um opportunity to build new and innovative and original um combinations plus Mm -hmm. you know kind of creativity so i think all of my roles have to do with that and today um i'm lucky enough to have recently stepped into the role of managing director for the next women Mm -hmm. which is the longest standing um female entrepreneur growth network um, and it's basically a, a network where entrepreneurs um, work towards kind of building their companies and also in preparation to kind of obviously finding finance um, yeah. and getting funded uh, so that then again they can uh, enable further growth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. that's a good summary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's plenty more as well. I mean, I've had a, ve- a couple of very fascinating conversations with you, Emery, and I'm and that's only skimming the surface, I think, of what we could cover. <laughs> so, but from the next woman perspective, and that's really where our conversation started. Um, so you're helping women become entrepreneurs. What do you see as the main challenges that, that, women, are, that women are seeing in, in that way? I mean, this is a, this is a marketing show, so I'm kind of di- digressing a little bit by talking about entrepreneurship in general. But what are you seeing as the main challenges that, that folks are having with that? Um, from a marketing perspective, I think um, one of the challenges is is framing. I mean, framing is obviously a big part of marketing. Like how mm-hmm. how are products, as in items and objects, yeah. how are they framed and how are they valued? Why is you know uh, one deodorant more pricier yeah. than the other one? You know, and I yeah. think when it, when you look at entrepreneurs, generally, you know, it's being associated with a male masculine profile um and 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 so from a framing perspective um if you look at the history again like when women were able to be in an autonomous position to entrepreneur i mean mm-hmm. I, we could obviously make the statement that they've been entrepreneurs way back absolutely, in the day yeah, absolutely, yeah, taking yeah. Like the, the prostitution part uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is one of the longest standing um uh, but you know uh, professions yeah. indeed and um but yeah so that framing framing of of women as an entrepreneur seems to be quite challenging still mm-hmm. for the majority of the world and right. uh, and and I see that in the data where you know uh, women entrepreneurs yeah just don't get the same sort of amounts of funding or the right. same sort of access to funding or um, and I think uh, that there's two sides to that framing as well. In and uh, there's because there's always actors in marketing, mm-hmm. and, like who builds the frame and who 
is the perceiver of the frame. Yes. And uh, there's also a, a belief with the builder as much as there is a belief system with the receptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel that with women, even though that they're builders, there's still also their own sort of belief that mm-hmm. is enabling or disabling them in their position as well as the perceptor in right. enabling and disabling that sort of so yeah right and do you see so and and you're based in Amsterdam do right. you see that as a particular issue for European entrepreneurs or is it is it you know are you in touch with with, with women in the US and is it a, is it a broader challenge for all women entrepreneurs um it is a challenge yeah. From an abstract level for yeah. all women entrepreneurs, it's just because yeah. we have a catch-up game to do, right? Yeah. Um, but I do see a significant, significant difference uh, where it comes to women in the US or women in the UK or in France, etc., um, or in India or in China. Mm. Um, and then again, it comes kind of back to that framing versus the yeah. Netherlands and Amsterdam. Yeah. And uh, one of the things... Uh, in the Netherlands, what a lot of people forget when you really go back and dive into history mm-hmm. is that we've never really had a massive shift among our gender roles and positions, right. you know. So, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure people are going to hate me for this saying this. <laughs> I don't care because, I mean, we're on this podcast and we talk about things in a way yeah. that we don't care. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the Second World War, the Netherlands were practically at war for like three days and then we were occupied, you know. Yeah. And there was no shifting there with regard to, like, the UK. Uh, yeah. went to the front and then women had to yeah. go to do other jobs, etc. Yeah. That didn't happen in the Netherlands. Obviously, yeah. when the war was over, and I don't mean this disrespectful, I really don't mean this disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, you know, I was, uh, you know, one of the helpers for the Allies, etc., etc. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. And I, and I appreciate that, and it's, but it hasn't you know yeah brought that shift um, they didn't see the social um revolution almost that happened um right. in many other countries um as as women were as really the male dominated society had no choice but to accept women into jobs and to and and, and as leaders and stuff is that what you're saying yeah, yeah and so yeah, when yeah. people came back when the men came yeah. back the shift had already happened and yeah. so to bring it back to marketing yes um because um what happens is that then there's no e- sort of equal representation in the build-up of the further, further timeline. So mm-hmm. um, all media remained male-dominated. So right. go back to you know our uh, the Dutch versions of the let's say the Vogues or uh, yeah. Hello magazines or whatever yeah. that we have here. Um, it was still there was still content in the 1990s where mm. there was spoken about it being shameful for women to put their children in daycare. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like that sort of media um, mm. obviously has still been constructed for a longer time around mm-hmm. a particular narrative. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if, if you're born into if you're grown up into that narrative and if, you know, you get that sort yeah. of promotion, material and content um, yeah. exposed to you, you're obviously going to start believing that. And I think that's something that's happening in the Netherlands. To kind right. Of, Bring back right. And probably to a lesser extent everywhere else. I mean, what seems to be is there's a sharp focus where you are, right, which is really um, demonstrating the challenge that, that that all women have. It's just more acute where you are by the sounds of things. And so because I need to sort of think about that, I've got a general <laughs> audience, right, not just in the Netherlands. But what do you see, how does um, The Next Woman help? Where do, what, do the, what sort of programs are you running that you see that are kind of um, 
you know, giving women the lift that, that's moving them on as entrepreneurs? Um, well, what don't we do? I mean, where do I begin? <laughs> um, uh, uh, what I like to start with is, I think, which is a beautiful story, is just kind of how Simone Blumhouse, who is the owner of The Next Women, started out with, um, you know, bringing women to the kitchen table yeah. uh, and kind of bringing out that. And I think that's really nice to remind ourselves, considering after the pandemic and that looking back at making that connection and finding each other and, you know, yeah. kind of not being alone out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, um, and it's very feminine uh, attributes yeah. to kind of be cl- caring and collaborating. So she started with kitchen table talks and dinners mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. women and, and then they kind of extended that like, okay, we need to bring in more finance, you know, if we can bring in yeah. more capital among women and, you know, capital can obviously enable us to build and construct things. Yeah. And um, so from that, you know, it's kind of, the first crowdfund mm-hmm. um, that enabled, you know, pitching for women. So yeah. it enabled us to build programs for women to actually pitch, you know, to train themselves to be able to pitch, mm-hmm. to train themselves to think about their companies as something uh, yeah. fund worthy. So yeah. we still do those, run, run those programs with regard to funding. Uh, yeah. What we've now recently added has been um, the investor class. So how do women who've actually done now gone through the process mm-hmm. um, can invest back and can understand how investing into companies with capital works. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that we do is we have FemPower, your, uh, FemPower, uh, your growth with uh, all the Dutch banks uh, and McKinsey and Better Future and mm-hmm. Uh, so ING, ABN AMRO, uh, yeah. Bank, um, Invest International. So again, grand partnership, really enable, enablers of partnerships. Yeah. Uh, where it's kind of um, a mini MBA that women go through to understand their, again, their organizations, but also again, create that right. finance. And we have um, the more kind of celebratory, um, again, to enable and build framing yeah. uh, the next women top 100 and the next women uh, ones to watch, oh, nice. which are now this year going to be celebrating, so in 2022, the 10-year anniversary. Oh, nice. Um, so, and I think that really uh, helps people, you know, to put these women again in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. And it, like, you know, these are like millions and millions and millions that these women are making. Yeah. And, and what is nice is that, you know, we, we build the top 100 in tranches. So, like, it's really for them to, like, oh, can I get to the next, you know, can I get yeah. from silver, can I get to the next one? So, yeah. uh, and then, yeah, so that's that whole role modeling, you know, you can't be yeah. what you can't see. So, right, 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 right. And, and from a, I mean, it sounds like when you're looking for investment and you're positioning your company, a lot of that is the sort of um, marketing strategy type work isn't it it's understanding the category you're in understanding your competitors understanding the price point you need to sell at and all that kind of stuff are those some of the fundamentals that you need that you you also help with with, with totally yeah totally so one of the things that i think it's also very important to make clear is and and something that i'm i'm playing so it's a hypothesis right yeah that i'm playing with so please don't pin me down on this i mean I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm very much about kind of trying things out and, you know, yeah. building and then rebuilding and constructing. Like I said, you know, creativity is in the ability of making combinations. So the hypothesis that I'm playing around with is like, okay, as the next women, as we move forward with all these great examples mm-hmm. of what we do is how, are we uh, empowering the women who are entrepreneur or are we empowering the entrepreneur who are women? 
Yeah. And I very much feel that we are very much on the side of like, we are empowering the entrepreneur. And what mm-hmm. does that profile need? And that profile requires indeed the insights as in like, what is your market? Who yeah. are you competing against? What is your proposition? How are you going to service that? Um, what is the message? Um, you know, uh, and what kind of growth, for instance, because this is also yeah. something I think the world at large is now playing around with. Yeah. What is growth? You know, is it capital growth? Is it social growth? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, so I think um, it is, a lot of it is about understanding your market. And yeah. a lot of it is about understanding your market first is in like, what is your purpose? And then obviously yeah. being able to translate that, translate that to framing it to potential investors. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. also understanding like, okay, what investor is going to uh, be the one for me? Because yeah. Not every investor is going to be the right one for you. And I always say it's very much like dating. Mm-hmm. You're actually going to enter into a, a, a marital sort of an agreement. You know? yeah. And there's going to be terms and conditions <laughs> <laughs> there. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I think um, uh, it is very much about kind of, okay, how do I present myself? How do I put myself in that frame? What are my USPs? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is my target audience? You know, do I yeah. want to get involved with the investor who's going to take 80% of my business and all the say, and then I'll just mm-hmm. be like uh, grinding around or yeah. be, somebody's going to like, maybe I want to be crowdfunded. You know, maybe I want to work with convertible loans and then ask, you know, uh, a bigger group of people that I trust. Yeah. Options, always yeah. options. I think that's also marketing, always looking for the options. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and that's fascinating. And the, and um, to, I mean, I want to move on to some other stuff, but yeah, from, from an excellent perspective, yeah. I mean, if we, you know, if, if listeners want to get involved and they're interested in 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 helping you guys, what's what's what sort of ways can marketers help the next woman organization? Oh, the frame. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. I mean, I'm literally okay. So I'm going to be very concrete. Uh, yeah. We have the 10 year anniversary of the next women coming up in yeah. march so we're now aiming to hold the event on the 7th of march yeah and um one of the ideas that is currently running is to theme it around um charlotte and the invention factory right um because there's a lot of female inventions mm-hmm. that have just been have gone by unnoticed yes yes <laughs> or yeah, have yeah. been taken on by men and yeah. I mean, I don't, I really, I love men again. You know, I'm all about that diversity and creativity. And I love you, Ian. Thank you. For <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, uh, so back to Mark. So if you, if you are a company that feels that you're inventive and creative mm-hmm. and you want to enable this platform to reconstruct mm-hmm. this frame of, of making women like, just because mm. women are cool you know it's like Walt yeah. Disney's doing it Netflix yeah. is doing it like we, yeah. all these stereotypical you know hero yeah personas so yeah come and join me in, in rebuilding that frame you know and because there's a lot of, like you know who knew that Monopoly is actually mentioned by a woman yeah yeah did you know yeah. it I yeah. don't know, like, no, you know, no, I didn't. But I'm learning more and more all the time, for sure. For you know, sure. I mean, Ada Lovelace, who was the inventor of code, like everybody yeah. associates tech with Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. But you know, yeah. if 
if she wasn't there, we wouldn't be yeah, coding right no, now. No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And also um, back to your uh, reference um, to the war, there was a lot of uh, women mathematicians that helped out with with the early computing and yeah. early um, code breaking and stuff like that. All right, well, I really honestly want to move on to another topic as we're Go. moving on with time. I hope you don't mind. But um, I, I, I know we had some other stuff that we were going to talk about, but I want to move to, um, to something that I think is important. I was reading about this recently about how, um marketers and i'm making a complete shift how marketers are terrible uh, sorry how clients are terrible at writing briefs <laughs> and you're a former creative director and i wanted to grab you um on your design background yeah. what wh when you were a creative director and i know this is a complete shift and i've made a terrible transition what for you was did you do you need in a brief what do you need in the brief Okay, well, I love that the fact that you're making a sort of a, a radical, because you know, <laughs> that's also a type of radical uh, innovation. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of uh, creativity is actually quite incremental, yeah. uh, and it's like all these little small steps. So yeah. I think to bridge that to your brief, I think I really like the fact to have something radical in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I see a lot of. I think that's that's our our sort of. Uh, defunct as a marketer uh, mm -hmm. that was so okay I'm writing a, I have to write a brief for this client and it's this profile and it needs to match and to yeah. kind of make that sell yeah and so there's always a little bit like what the client wants to hear and what you right. think and so there's again right. sort of that bias stuff in there but I think yeah. every brief should have something like okay this looks all very um um like construct like you know it's concrete it's there's mm -hmm. a plan and mm -hmm. uh, we can mm -hmm. action this and stuff mm -hmm. like where's like that radical like yeah 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 give us the big idea yeah 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 i love that and i was reading actually um something by um was it bob hoffman the ad contrarian i don't know if you follow him and he was he said that all briefs just say make us famous <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to it. Just make us famous. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to wind up to our, our final question. And I know this needs some thought that, uh, that well, I know you've given it some thought, Amory. Uh, so I want to explore that. We have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called The Swim Pool, our portal to hell for the snake oil and bullshit and overhyped trends that plague the industry we love. What would you throw in the Rockstar CMO Swim Pool? So that would be. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a film that mm -hmm. would be kind of our own bias and our own intention and our kind of the road to hell is paved with good intent and <laughs> that's um, uh, there's this documentary 2013 terms and yeah. conditions may apply to make it concrete because that's what we need and yes. in that documentary um, you literally see Facebook build out the like button you know with mm -hmm. the good intent like we can like yeah. each other it's positive it's great yeah right um but look at where we are today with facebook mm -hmm. they too understand like oh whoa, whoa, something <laughs> went wrong somewhere down, down yeah. the line with regard to kind of that <laughs> yeah. positive idea mm -hmm. and you know and, and obviously they made amends and, and i think that's something that for all companies you know you you are I think it's responsible marketing is to be iterative, obviously, mm -hmm. because, you know, yeah. what we're going to have today is not going to be necessarily yeah. uh, the today of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you know, so also with Facebook in 2016, obviously, they broadened out the like button with, with emotions. But I think that that sense of like, if is somebody responding to me mm -hmm. generated so much value and capital value yeah. that, you know, that 
what what is one over the other and it's like i see the younger generations you know they're having identity problems etc because they're not being responded to mm-hmm. in this in this world mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. you know um our own we should be continuously um sensitive to our own bias and heuristics and that even though and, and there's another example that i'm going to give and i'm going to make myself very vulnerable here mm-hmm. you know, that attitude and behavior aspect you know that we keep ourselves in check there and yeah. if somebody would ask me you know is the environment important absolutely you know yeah. they also there's 80 percent of marketers who want to work for companies who do good who mm-hmm. build the world and make us mm-hmm. into a better place but you know when you look at our behaviors if i look at my behavior if i'm stressed out and i have a mm-hmm. young child and i have to pick her up from the daycare and then go to the yeah. supermarket and you yeah. know i'm not i'm not in a state of mind where i'm thinking oh shit but excuse me i'm not, i don't know that's fine <laughs> that's that's so great uh, but you know oh shit because that's really everything marketing podcast <laughs> Like, you know, like I've got all this stuff that's been uh, pre-chopped, pre-wrapped, da-da-da-da-da, you know, not going over and getting my actual grocery, like my vegetables uh, that I have to wash and then cut in it because I'm stressed out to get my child in bed on time. And then that surpasses that behavior of me wanting to be a good mother probably surpasses the fact that I want to be a good human being for the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, so we're, so what exactly are we chucking in? We're t- chucking in our, our best intentions and that we need to think about things um, before we do them. Is that right? Because <laughs> we've well, chucked, chucked in the I like think... button and we've chucked in... <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, this has gone A-wire. <laughs> no, um... this is great. This is great. Because I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, we do design things with best intentions. And we as marketers are always the Pollyannas looking at, you know, we're, we're doing this thing and it's, it's going to be looked upon in the world as a positive thing, but we don't always think about the, uh, the ramifications of, of perhaps... Right. Yeah, our little bubble things are not outside our little bubble things right. are always great yeah and to circle it back around you know when i was mentioning about the the, the dutch hellos and the dutch yeah. vogues etc you know yeah. i'm sure these you know the, the the direct board the male board of directors when this content yeah. was being made i'm sure in their hearts and minds they felt like oh but you know mother should be at home that, that, that yeah. there was something genuine yeah. there and yeah. like it was a good intent but does it work out in a good no. way yeah we should absolutely. absolutely absolutely well i mean we've we've gone we've we've gone over time but it's fast it's always fascinating to talk, talk to you Anne-Marie and Likewise. we've covered some amazing <laughs> topics and i would love to have delved into your background a little bit more <laughs> so maybe when your voice is better we'll have you back on the show and we can talk about some of these things uh, and uh, so but for when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they want to get in touch with you or they want to help out with the next woman uh, thing what, what where would they go they could go link me up like the linkedin was there for a reason so, yes um uh, you know link me on linkedin but you can also just send me an email Anne marie at the next women.com uh any case anything Anne marie the next women i'm sure you'll find me if you're internet nice. savvy or <laughs> nice. um nice. but yeah so i'm coming back i am going to if you do really feel that your company uh yeah wants to collaborate and create on this stage mm-hmm. with women in you know that sort of innovative yeah. edge and that frame yeah. uh come talk to me please <laughs> right. and i will of course include all your links in the show notes so thank you very much for your time Anne marie i hope your voice feels better <laughs> i look forward to speaking soon cheers thank you thank, thank you, you.
Thank you, Anne-Marie. I really enjoyed that conversation and I encourage you to get in touch, especially if you can support the work she's doing. I will, of course, include all of Anne-Marie's links in the show notes and we'll definitely have her back when her throat recovers. Okay, from someone that handed me a beer to something a little stronger, as it's Friday evening, time for a cocktail with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. Welcome to the bar. Wow, look at that. There are... What are all the helicopters doing out there? What is it that you're... What 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 kind of thing are you running here, Ian? I, I all these helicopters. It's a little like it's it's a little like apocalypse now out here right now. It's so loud in here. Um, anyway. You let me off last week, and I thought maybe I'd gotten away with it, but I agreed back right. this week. Yes. I, well, uh, you know, every other week, I figure. Yes, um, well, who's going to spend their Saturday morning looking for helicopter sound effects? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm glad uh, that they've passed now. <laughs> yes, they have passed. They have passed. Oh, wait, here comes one back. Oh, no. All right. We'll pause while it flies. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, and so what is in that glass of yours this week? That in the glass we have, so I don't know if it's been how the weather has been with you, but it's been yes. spectacularly raining here in Southern California, which is, I know, a weird thing to say, but we love it. Yes. We love the cold and the rain Yes. Um, because we so rarely get it. Mm. Um, and so uh, I fixed up we like the sunshine. Hot. Um, something, something spicy, um, nice. which would be fun. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is a tequila cocktail. Um, yes. and now here's two ways to make this. Um, you can actually find tequila that has in, been infused with jalapeno. Um, I don't like that. Um, nice. it is easier to find. I prefer basically you take the tequila and put it into a glass or if you have a shaker or something like that dice up some jalapeno and then shake mm -hmm. it with it which will give you a nice flavor without the sort of just you know because i know most people i'm I, I love i'm i mean i'll eat jalapenos raw um i love them <laughs> so much but i know a lot of people don't so it will give you that nice jalapeno taste without sort of the heat that you probably don't like um, right. And then a little, uh, and this may be a little difficult to find, but you can find it, guava juice. Um, mm -hmm. And then again, uh, also perhaps slightly more difficult to find in the UK than it is um, here in Southern California, mezcal. Um, wow. And so you take a little bit of mezcal, a little bit of guava juice, and then you shake up that tequila with a little bit of diced jalapeno and you put it in. And it's, I would recommend sipping it because it, it is, it's got, it's got some heat to it. Um, but it's a really smoky, lovely, uh, wow. way to have a, and, and it's, this is, this one is really nice as a pre, if, especially if you're going to go have some steaks or something, a yeah. pre-dinner cocktail. Nice. And what are you calling that? Uh, I have no, let's just call it the heat. We're bringing the heat, right? Good Lord. So, I think it yeah. sounds like Mexico in Mexico in a glass to me. Yes, that's what it, yeah. it really is, Mexico in a glass. Is, is well, that it. I'm going to put some ice in the glass. 
uh, the opposite to heat. Uh, and um, and guess what? <laughs> guess what I have in my desktop bar this week? I'll bet it's uh, not mezcal, and I'll bet it's not tequila. No, as you say, it's very hard to find those ingredients in the UK, and particularly hard to find them on my desktop bar. So, I'm back on the Lind Hendrix gin. And... Uh, <clears throat> and you, you had something that was infused with things... I did, yes. The yes. jalapeno, you would be, it would be, you would either infuse it, Ooh. get it, buy it infused, or infuse it yourself. Um, I don't, you don't need to infuse it for like days. I think you can literally just shake up some diced jalapeno in there and then pour out right. the filtered version of that. Yeah. Well, I think somebody's been shaking up my infused cucumber tonic water. The rats. <laughs> just, I've just sprayed a bit onto my desk. There we go. And so there's a bit of. Uh, Cucumber. And let me give this a taste. Oh, that's not quite the taste of Mexico that you're sampling, but certainly delicious. I could drink one of these. No, it's that's you have you have put <laughs> England in a glass, is what you have done right there. <laughs> that's true. I mean, this so it's very similar, isn't it? I've got England in a glass, and you've got Mexico in your glass. There you go. That's right. That's that's very tasty. So, um. There we are. I mean, that, that that glass of drink that you've just described sounds incredible, and I'm definitely going to have to try something like that. But where would one sample such a fiery thing? Well, I was thinking we should probably go to Mexico for this, but, mm. um, but since you've got your flavor there, um, <laughs> I'm happy to bring Mexico to the UK. Um, oh, please do. We're sadly lacking Mexico <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> Um, so I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm thinking we should probably, you know, go out to the countryside somewhere mm -hmm. and just enjoy the pitter patter of rain and fall and the changing leaves and, and yeah. all of those kinds of things. And so there's that, um, I, and again, you'll, 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 uh, you, you will correct me here, but, um, I have been here, been there before, but, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really haven't been there in so long that, uh, uh, I, I, I know the exact little village or town that mm -hmm. we should um, we should go to, but it's mm -hmm. in the upper northeastern part uh, of England, um, mm -hmm. and you know, sort of, I guess. Well, let's see. I, I you know maybe up near Sunderland is that is that where it is or or that's certainly in the northeast or Durham sure. or. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah, kinds of yeah. those kinds of areas yeah. because those, doesn't you know, have a reputation for um, sophisticated Mexican drinks. No offense. Yeah, to it's, well, exactly. From <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Find a little pub up there somewhere. Yeah, you know. Yes, sounds wonderful. Sounds yeah. wonderful. Uh, so, I mean, I guess Yorkshire. We'll go... I guess Yorkshire is where I'm thinking. Oh, isn't it? You, okay. You'd like to go to Leeds. Leeds is quite sophisticated, or uh, there we or go. Harrogate, or somewhere around there. Sounds nice. So, um, so I think we found somewhere nice. In, in on the windswept moors or something of that nature in the yes. north of England. Uh, and we're sipping these uh, fiery hot drinks, uh, preparing for a steak by the sounds of things. Uh, and um, once, we've, um, once we've finished discussing the weather, because we're in England and it's raining and you're enjoying it, um, what would we be discussing? Well, it's something that I have thought about before and actually done some research on and, 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 as we come into the end of the year, mm -hmm. as one does, we start thinking <laughs> about the year 
behind us and the year ahead of us, um, you know, and how do we close this year out strong and how do we begin the next one as stronger, stronger. And it always comes down to a question of, okay, so as we start making our changes and reflections and those kinds of things, should we maximize our strengths or minimize our weaknesses? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there is actual research that's been done on this, by the way, um, but uh, that picks one of them, right? So, you know, the the theory it's a it's a book. Um, the name of it is uh, oh, it's it's a uh, strengths based leadership is the name of the book, right. um, and they've basically been looking at this and they say, you know, w- it's not that we need to ex- ignore our weaknesses, but rather it says we should, you know, when we make those investments, we should really invest in our strengths and minimize yeah. the effects of our weaknesses. Right. Um, and interestingly, I see this happening a lot in the clients that we work with in content strategy. Um, you know, so basically one of the things that we've seen really be helpful is when we have, you know, stood up a content strategy, content marketing or otherwise, um, is to do a skills audit because in so many ways, one of the things that we lack is sort of collected mm. insight into how, where the strengths of content are in the business. In other words, we go, oh, here's this VP and this, you know, subject matter expert or this person, they're creating content, but they may not be very good at it, but okay, we just need to know that. Um, however, what we haven't done is sort of identified topic by topic or even person by person, the strengths and or weaknesses, um, but mostly strengths of Mm -hmm. everybody else. And so, you know, there may be great content creators that we're completely missing because we've never actually taken the time to really go through and find the skills where there may be areas of strengths as well as gaps and where we need training or where we need, you know, new hires or all those kinds of things. We do it a lot for other parts of our business, but we don't for content. And so one of the things that we um, can find is, is that where do you start to lean, right? In other words, are you looking for the gaps in your knowledge or are you looking for the strengths and it's ultimately a balance, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of thinking, by the way, that says focusing only on our strengths has its own pitfalls, right? You know, right. basically, you know, <laughs> but as as one study I found uh, said, uh, which I really love, so many of our weaknesses are basically just overdeveloped strengths, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, basically, you know, as as an example of that, there's somebody who's amazing at the corporate politics, but quite frankly, they're kind of manipulative and a jerk, right? You know, know, they're not really good at their job. They're just good at manufacturing the politics around their job. Mm -hmm. And so um, what we need to do, you know, is, is really find that balance and having the sort of team based self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to look, uh, you know, at both the strengths and the gaps that we have as we do that skills-based audit yeah. to really get to something useful, right? To something useful that we can use in our planning process. Um, it basically, you know, to help us identify where we may not have identified some, some strengths of our team or extensions or our network to be able to make informed decisions about how to do things in the future, but also the gaps that we want to fill in, you know, in what we need in our team for, you know, next season, basically. 
So if you can really balance those things and really start to take a good holistic look at it, it's, you know, it, it, it really can be one of the best things that you can do for your, your content marketing and your content strategy. But the, I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, from from our perspective, right? Because content marketing is—I mean, it isn't really new to you, but it's relatively new in some organisations. Is understand the need, the skills that are needed in the first place, isn't it? Before you do that gap analysis, it's, it's almost a challenge for some, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you know, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, this is where outside help can be can yeah. be helpful, but 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 certainly, you know. You have to have the understanding for, you know, it's like you have to understand what strong is and weak is mm -hmm. before you yeah. can actually identify it for sure. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we find is, is that we, you know, I'll tell you a story. We, 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 I was working with one client and they said at the end of uh, our session, the VP of marketing said to me, this is fantastic. I love this roadmap. I love the fact that we're going to launch a, a new blog, digital magazine. It's fantastic. I, you know, I'm all excited. Can you help me identify three new headcount that I'll need to to do this? And yeah. I said, well, we all, I said, remember, we also decided we were going to kill the corporate blog um, and, and, and really reboot it into this new thing. I said, but you've got five people over there, you know, in the comms mm -hmm. team working on this corporate blog that are you know, that's, that are going to, is going to go away. Why not? Yeah. You know, but and they're not stupid people. They're, 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 they're good people. Mm -hmm. Why not just use them? And he was like, well, here's the thing. They belong <laughs> to the comms guy and that guy is not going to really want to play with this. And he's going to get into this big, oh. you know, rigmarole about where they're reporting and what they're doing. And he's like, this new digital magazine is going to be all mine. So really I just need the new headcount. And I'm like, right. So you're going to hire all these new people who are not necessarily skilled and not necessarily knowing the business to do this cool, innovative new thing that you have no idea is going to succeed or not. Yeah. And you're going to leave these people who are skilled and educated and know the business really well off to do their dead end thing just because you don't want to deal with the politics. And he was like, yeah, pretty much. That was, you know, you know, wow. that's, but that's where we are. Right. Because we yeah. don't know. We yeah. don't, we don't, we, it, and it's not, sometimes it's like, we know what, that they're good. And yeah. we just can't make it happen, or we don't know that they're good and can't make it happen. And but isn't, yeah, I mean, some of that story is also about like the silos that we create, right? Is that the, this idea that a, a content marketing strategy that's led by an external publication is somehow an experimental side project rather than something we're going to put everything into? Well, yeah, there's that as well, which is a whole yeah. different issue, right? I mean, <laughs> you know. Which is, you know, and in many cases it is right. But, uh -huh. but the interesting thing is, is that, you know, because I mean, you know, not to go down a, 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 a you know, sort of a, a side road here, but yeah. yeah, in many ways we see marketing generally as everything we're doing is sort of experiments in a, you know, yeah. in, in, a, in a testing phase that sort of sometimes pays off and sometimes doesn't. And what we often forget is that we're, we can make long-term investments, you know, that yes, technically are new, thus, I guess, inherently defined as experimental because we've not done them before. We don't know what we're doing. We're doing something we've never done before. So, 
I guess you can technically define it as experimental, but that doesn't mean that it's experimental in the sense that if we see on day three, it's not working. That means it's a, you know, it's a failure. It's the, you know, it's, you know, I, I often say, you know, marketing strategy is a is is in some ways very much like astronomy right <laughs> you 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 kind of know things are happening but you can't really observe them in real time you can only observe them after years of observation and see that your theory was actually correct yeah you know and so yeah. that you know that you you need all that data to look backward in time before you can actually even determine whether it was good so is that an experiment yeah but it's an investment in a long-term play that Mm -hmm. you have to play out right you have to actually feed into and so how much of that is part of your long-term investment who knows Mm -hmm. really it's up to you but but certainly some of it should be there yeah but bolstering that with knowing you know it's just funny today how little many businesses know about their people yeah. You know, and their ability to do things, right? Yeah. You know, we we hire people to do this very specific task yeah. in this very specific silo, in this very specific box. And they do those things and we never sort of go back and go, "Hey, things are evolving," right? Yeah. SEO is evolving, marketing is evolving, demand generation is evolving, content is evolving, measurements evolving, and some of those people are out there evolving and doing things and we just never see it yeah right and yeah. and without doing that skills audit and and sort of continually looking at our teams and saying where do the little gold nuggets lie that we could start to rely on we're we're missing out yeah for sure and also you're, <clears throat> you know your story there is uh, so, so so much um so much comes to mind from that i mean there's this cool digital publication project which could really ignite that team to to do something really interesting because all of a sudden incredibly engaged in the, in the project and yeah. yet for politics uh, those folks are going to sit under the rock and they're going to sit under that rock and they're going to um they're going to continue to communicate because they're comms people and they're not in the boat <laughs> exactly right <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah yeah no that's that's a, that's a great thought so so back to the original thing is that we need to understand the skills of our folks uh, and when we're, we're setting up, setting up these, these content programs, we need to understand the skills we need and then do that audit and then not muck it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, do it well. <laughs> All right, and uh, a fantastic piece of advice as usual in the bar this week, Robert. And if people want to see, uh, read other people, I should really lay off the gin. If other people want to read uh, <laughs> advice like this, where might they find that? I'm telling you, you need to evolve into other liquors because it will help your brain. <laughs> it will help your. It will help your memory. Um, yeah. You can find us at contentadvisory.net where we're talking about all all sorts of wonderful little things like that. I'm not really sure a different liquor is going to help, but I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> and when when the listener spins a dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? You'll find us uh, on all of the social channels, including the LinkedIn, the Twitter, um, all those, all those kinds of things. Yeah, not Clubhouse, but uh, every, everywhere else you'll find us. Uh, Clubhouse is dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I say. That's what yes. I say. I've had people tell me otherwise, but you know. No, I've heard them tell you otherwise. 
Yeah. <laughs> Although you haven't had that conversation on your podcast for a while. So uh, li- another little reference to this sub-marketing. Yeah, I think uh, Clubhouse so- is one giant NFT that will ultimately... <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, that you'll pay for with Dogecoin. Yep, got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, will I see you in the bar next week, my friend? Of course you will. Uh, I look forward to it. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you, Robert. Reflecting on strengths and weaknesses as the year ends. So that's a wrap on episode 86 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along the way. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Anne-Marie and Robert for joining me and for sharing their insights. Please check out their work. I'll include all the links to them and the things we discussed in the show notes, which you can find on your favorite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another Epic Marketing Podcast? Please let me know what you think. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. And please leave a rating or review in your favorite podcatcher or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff is away. I catch up with Eric Fulweiler, who I last spoke to on episode 30 and find out what he's up to. And Robert Rose, we in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, happy Halloween. Have a great week. And I hope you'll again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.